Just like Earl said, we are starting prayer week, which is a time when we devote ourselves, all of us, to, to prayer. And individually, and in groups, we are devoting ourselves especially to prayer for ourselves, for our church, for other Bible-preaching churches, to the advance of the gospel in this city, in this region, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. So we are devoting ourselves this week to prayer. The Bible says that a crucial part of prayer is faith. We must pray with faith. And the question I want to ask is, and answer tonight, is what does that mean to pray with faith? What does that mean? And I want to raise this question because there are people who've been taught, and I would guess it's true for some of you here, you've been taught that what it means to pray with faith is you need to try to stir up in yourself a 100% confidence that God is going to do exactly what you're asking, period. You need to stir that, that kind of faith up in your heart that God is going to answer exactly what I'm asking right now, and that if you do that, if you're able to stir up that level of faith, that he will do it. So, for example, let's say that you have a friend who is seriously sick and you long for them to be healed. What this teaching would say is that what you need to do when you pray for them is convince yourself that God is going to come and heal them right now. And that if you can have that level of perfect confidence that God is going to heal them of their illness right now, then he will. And that if he doesn't, then it's because you, you didn't. I am not convinced that's what the Bible means by praying with faith. I think the Bible teaches something different about praying with faith, and that's what we want to talk about tonight. I want to show that to you from the Scriptures so you can see it for yourself from the very Word of God. One of the reasons this is so important to me is because this wrong teaching can discourage people terribly. I mean, picture it. Let's say there's something that you're just longing to, to see the Lord do. I mean, somebody really struggling with their finances, no job, going from month to month, just difficulties, and you, you long to see God break in and answer. And so you, you, you try to stir up I, to confidence that God is going to give them a job, take care of them right now. And so you try to pray with that level of faith. You long to see that take place. And, and then when it doesn't happen, you're left with, well, what happened? Did I really just need that much more faith for God to work? Is that really how he operates? Is this because of my, is it my fault that they're still in the situation that they're in? And all those questions can make us get discouraged about prayer, pull back from prayer, have questions about God, have questions about the Christian life. And so, church, I, I hope to help you answer the question of what is faith tonight in a more biblical way. What does it mean to pray with faith? The first passage I want us to look at is, Kristen read it for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Now here's some background to this passage. God had given Paul an amazing revelation of heaven, of who God is. We didn't know all the details. It was amazing, Paul says. And in order to keep Paul from becoming conceited, God allowed Satan to bring Paul some terrible difficulty. 
what he calls a thorn in the flesh. We can't be sure exactly what it is. The ESV study Bible says that most scholars think it's something like a physical sickness or ailment of some sort. That, that makes sense to me, but we don't know for sure. But we do know that this thorn in the flesh caused Paul great difficulty, great suffering. He longed to be free from it. So how did Paul respond to this thorn in the flesh? Let's raise that as our first question. And Paul tells us in verses 7 and 8, look at what he says. <clears throat> so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So how does Paul respond to this terrible difficulty, this thorn in the flesh? He says he pleaded with the Lord. And that word translated pleaded is a special word in the original language describing passionate, earnest, crying out to God with longing to be freed from something. And notice that Paul did that three times. There were three seasons, three times in his life where he was devoting himself, Lord, please free me from this. Look at what this is doing to me. Set me free. I'm longing for this, Father. He was praying three times, pleading that God would remove it. And how did the Lord respond? Second question. Start with the beginning of verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So get the picture here. Paul has pleaded three times that the Lord removed this thorn in the flesh, and, and the Lord lovingly, wisely says, no, Paul, I'm not going to remove it. Reason? The Lord's going to do something far better for Paul than that. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is just shorthand for all the blessings we have in Christ, like God's love being poured into our hearts or experiencing Jesus, the bread of life, satisfying all of our heart hungers and thirsts or 1 Peter 1.8, joy unspeakable and full of glory. My grace, Paul, think about my grace. And Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That is, I can pour out so much of my grace, love poured into your heart, joy. I can pour out so much of my strength, my peace, my hope, that that's all you'll need. That's sufficient for you. you. You'll be sufficient, not by having this thorn in the flesh be removed, but by experiencing my grace in the midst of it. You'll be completely strengthened, completely filled, completely secure. That's what I'm going to do, Paul. And the Lord goes on, because my power is made perfect in weakness. And as God is saying, Paul, I'm sure Paul knew this, but just being reminded, I make my power most real to people when they are at their lowest, when they are at their emptiest, when they are at their weakness. 
So Paul, in this excruciating weakness and difficulty that you're facing, you're going to see my power perfected in you. Love poured into your heart. Heart filled, strengthened, satisfied, hope given, confidence. All my grace poured out upon you in a lavish, powerful way. That's what the Lord says to to Paul. That's when we experience power most fully. Now, let me give you an illustration about somebody who experienced that, just so we can maybe make it more, a little more real. John Bunyan, one of my heroes, 1600s, England. This is a time when England was not letting pastors preach the gospel. But John Bunyan just kept preaching. And he was thrown in prison as a result. His thorn in the flesh was prisoned for 12 years. If he would have stopped preaching, they'd let him go. He wouldn't stop preaching. 12 years. Here's what he said about his time in prison. I never had in all my life so great an inlet into the word of God as I did in prison. In this place, the scriptures are made to shine upon me. You see grace being poured out, power being perfected, shine upon me. Jesus Christ also has never been more real to me than now. Here, I have truly seen him and felt him. I have seen things here that I shall never, while in this world, be able to express. That's what the Lord was promising Paul. Paul, through this trial, I'm going to pour out so much of my grace upon you that you will have all that you need and more. I'm going to perfect, multiply, outpour my power upon you. Oh, what you're going to experience in me is going to make it all worth it, is what God is saying to him. And so how does Paul respond to this? End of verse 9. And notice that Paul then applies what Jesus has just said to all of his weaknesses, difficulties, and trials, because he wants all of us to apply that to all of those weaknesses, difficulties, and trials when the Lord says to us, I'm going to allow that to stay. Verse 9, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. To boast in them. Amazing. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want to experience what God just said he would do. My trust, seek the Lord's face, seek his strength, seek his joy, seek his peace, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, that is to gain even greater experience of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God pours his grace out upon me. So God's going to use. Paul's thorn in the flesh to bring Paul the greatest experience of Christ's presence, Christ's filling, Christ's power, Christ's nearness. That's what God promises. And so Paul boasts gladly in his thorn in the flesh. Okay, there's the story. Beautiful, powerful. Now let's just step back and ask the question okay, what does that teach us? about praying with faith. What do these verses teach us about praying with faith? 
These verses show us that sometimes, sometimes, when we earnestly pray and ask God to remove trials and difficulties from us, sometimes he lovingly and wisely says, no. No. Because he's going to use those trials and those difficulties to bring us even more of Jesus' presence than we would have had otherwise. That's what God does sometimes. We must understand this. This will give us strength when we go through the valley of death, when we struggle difficulty. This will give us backbone when we face disappointment and heartbreak, which believers do. Because we'll know our God is in control. We have to understand that sometimes that's God's will. Now, that's not always God's will. I'm sure we, many of us, all of us, have experienced times where we've prayed and God has lifted trials off of us, delivered us from problems, healed our sicknesses. We've experienced things like that. But sometimes it is God's loving and wise will to let trials stay and remain sometimes in order to use them to bring us even more of Christ's presence and nearness and beauty in our lives. So God chose to have Paul's thorn in the flesh stay. And I think about this. It's not because Paul lacked faith when he was praying. There's not a hint in this passage that Paul had done anything wrong. Paul was not the reason this was remaining. It's because God had something better for Paul. There's not a hint that his prayer was lacking any faith here at all. Even though he prayed with faith, God, remember who we're talking about with Paul here. Paul, Paul healed the sick in Jesus' name, right? Paul raised the dead in Jesus' name. Paul knew about faith and power. His prayer here did not lack anything in terms of faith, but God lovingly said no. So what does this tell us about praying with faith? It means that praying with faith cannot mean trying to have absolute confidence that God is going to do what I'm asking him to do. And the reason it can't mean that is because, as this passage shows, God will not always do what we're asking him to do. It's clear, right? There are times when it is God's loving and wise and best will to allow our trials to stay and to remain. We see that here. And if that's the case, then on what basis would we Try to believe that he's definitely going to do exactly what I'm asking him right now. God does not promise anywhere in the Bible that he will re remove every one of our trials in this life. Now, glory to God. What happens when you go to heaven? Trials are over. Sickness is gone. No more death. But when Paul visited the churches, remember Acts? Think of the reference. But he, more important, he says, through many tribulations, you will enter the kingdom of God. God does deliver us from trials, and sometimes God does not deliver us from trials. And because sometimes he does not, faith cannot mean trying to believe that he will always deliver us from this trial. There's no basis for that. Take healing, for example. It's, a lot of us have heard teaching along these lines. Isaiah 53 does say that by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. That is true. 
perfect healing is purchased on the cross for every believer. But what does that mean? It can't mean perfect healing in this life because we're all going to die, right? Well, does it mean anything? Oh, it means something beautiful. Sometimes we'll be healed in this life. God does do that. We want to pray for the sick in this church. But what it means is once you die and go to heaven, perfect healing forever is what that means. So yes, healing is in the atonement. Partially now as the Lord sees fit and completely and perfectly forever in heaven. But so do you see that that passage doesn't give us a basis for saying it's always God's will to heal everyone right now. There's no basis for that. So praying with faith cannot mean that we try really hard to be completely, perfectly confident that God is going to do exactly what I'm asking because we don't, we don't have the basis for that in the scriptures. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, now wait a minute. What about Mark 11, 23 and 24? It's a very important question. What about Jesus' teaching in Mark 11, 23 and 24? Because this is one of the key verses that people will use to, to teach that Whenever we pray, we always should try to be completely confident that God is going to do exactly what we're asking. So we've got to tackle this verse tonight, these two verses. Look at what Jesus teaches here. You'll see exactly why this needs to be addressed. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Okay, it sounds like what Jesus is saying is that every time we pray, we should try to feel completely certain that God's going to do exactly what we're asking, right? It, does, it sounds like that. We've got to be honest. But there's three reasons in the Scripture that I don't think that's what Jesus means here. I'd, I'd like to persuade you of this. I hope I can. Three reasons from Scripture. One is because we've already seen from Paul's thorn in the flesh that it's not always God's will to do exactly what we're asking. It's not what Paul experienced. So that raises a big question, if that's how we understand verses 23 and 24 of Mark 11. A second reason is that's not how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Father, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus doesn't lay claim to what he's trying to believe will happen. He's praying in humble submission. Third reason. Paul seems to understand what Jesus taught in Mark 11, not as something we should always try to do whenever we pray, but as a spiritual gift which God does give to some believers at some times. Let me say that again. Paul seems to understand Mark 11, not as something that we are always supposed to do whenever we pray, but as a spiritual gift that God does give to some believers sometimes when they pray, and when that happens, then those prayers always happen exactly as they're praying. Here's why I say this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. Paul here is talking about spiritual gifts. Look at what he says. 
if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, spiritual gift, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, spiritual gifts, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, this is another in this list of spiritual gifts, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Now, Paul's point in these verses is to show that spiritual gifts without love, nothing, nothing, worthless. But notice he's talking about faith here as a spiritual gift. Did you see that? We know Paul lists faith as a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12 also. Faith is also a spiritual gift. Saving faith, faith we should always be living by, that's not so much a spiritual gift, but this here is talked about as a spiritual gift. Different. So the faith, this gift of faith is not something we should all try to have all the time, but it's a gift that God gives to us sometimes, some people sometimes when we're praying. And when he does give that gift to us, he's letting us know this is what he's going to do, which will display his glory and blow our minds and be wonderful. See, there can be times, some of you have experienced this, I'm sure, when as you've prayed for something, it's not that you're trying to be confident God's going to do it, but sometimes as you're pleading and crying out to God, you're not sure what his will is, but where all of a sudden you know what his will is for this. You know it. And as you pray it, it's exactly what happens. You didn't try to stir that up. You didn't feel an obligation to have that confidence every time you prayed, but there are times when we pray that God gives this spiritual gift. Not that this person's more spiritual than others. Remember, God gives gift as he will, diverse. But he does give a spiritual gift of gift where all of a sudden you know that God is going to do exactly what you're praying. And you pray it and it happens. Now notice, here Paul's talking about this spiritual gift of faith, and notice how he describes it. It's faith so as to remove mountains. Where did Paul get that idea? Mark 11, 23 and 24. He'd been studying Jesus' teachings. Look at Mark, verse, Mark 11, verse 23 again. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, there's the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt on his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And then remember what Paul said, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains. What that shows me is that Paul is understanding Jesus' teaching in Mark 11, 23 and 24, as a spiritual gift, he's describing. It's real. God gives it to people. When we have that confidence given by God and we pray, it happens. But it's not something we're supposed to try to stir up or muster up in our hearts every time we pray. Because we usually aren't sure what God's will is when we pray, but we just pray according to what we long for, what we think is according to the Scripture, according to God's will. And God loves to answer those prayers as well. So my understanding is that Paul sees Jesus' teaching in Mark 11, 23 and 24, not as something we try to muster up in our hearts every time we pray, but as a gift, a spiritual gift that God does give. Let me give you an example. Hudson Taylor, another one of my heroes. He was one of the first missionaries to inland China. And on the first trip to China, there were three other missionaries with him heading over to China 
And somewhere in their voyage, all of a sudden, the wind stopped. And they're out on the deck, and the wind has stopped, and they can see the captain starting to get concerned. He's looking overboard, and he's looking ahead, and what's the problem? Captain says, there's reefs over there. This current is moving us toward the reefs. Unless we have wind, we are going to capsize and drown. That's what's wrong. So the captain thought, send the sailors out into the longboat. They can try to row to try, to try to turn our boat around. So they rowed and turned around, but just kept, kept, the current kept taking it. Turning it around didn't help any. So Hudson Taylor just felt like, you know, talked to his fellow missionaries, we need to go down to our individual cabins and pray. That's what they did. They went down and they prayed. And Hudson Taylor later wrote that after he'd prayed for a short time, wasn't really long, he started to feel this growing assurance in his heart. He wasn't trying to make this happen, just this growing assurance that God was going to bring wind. And he was so sure, he went up, went up to the deck and he said, Captain, lower the sails. Captain swore at him and said, why? Because <laughs> God's going to bring the wind. Captain said, sailors aren't doing anything else right now. Get up there and unfurl all the sails. So they drop all these sails down, and as the sails are coming down, and the wind blew the boat away from the reefs, and they were safe. Now, the point I want to make from that is, this is not something that Hudson Taylor tried to do whenever he prayed. This is something that God gave him as a gift. He didn't try to, it's just God gave him, I am going to bring wind. Go up on the deck and make something happen. And, and can you see how that just glorifies God, just displays God's beauty and power? That's what I believe it means to pray with faith. In that sense, that is those times when you do, God does give you a gift of supernatural certainty and confidence that what you're praying is going to happen. When God does that, it's a spiritual gift. And when you pray that and speak that and act on that, it actually takes place. But that is not what we are all called to have as a gift, as, excuse me, as, the, as praying with faith. So there is the spiritual gift of faith, which God gives sometimes to some. And then there's praying with faith, which we are all supposed to have all the time when we pray. So what is that? I hope you understand what this is. I think that's what Mark 11, 23 and 24 is about. But what does it mean to pray with faith like we always should? What kind of faith should we always pray with? Three answers I want to give you. I think we should always pray with all three of these. First, we should believe that through Christ, God forgives us and welcomes our prayers. This is so important. Let's not take this for granted. Aren't there all times when we struggle with, I can't pray now. Look at how impatient I was with my kids this morning. Well, Shouldn't be impatient, fight against that, but ask the Lord to forgive you and pray. Because through Christ, God forgives us and welcomes our prayers. We've sinned against God. God is perfectly just. We deserve only punishment from him, not hearing our prayers and responding. Our prayer separates us from God, but God isn't just just. He's also loving and compassionate and merciful he loves to forgive sins. He sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven because Jesus was punished on the cross 
for all the sins of everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. So because you're trusting Jesus tonight as your Savior and as your Lord and as your all-satisfying treasure, you can be 100% certain that the moment you turn, say, Father, he's smiling, he's moving towards you, he's listening to everything you're going to say, he's welcoming your prayer, even if you were impatient with your kids this morning. So believe that through Christ, God forgives us and welcomes our prayers. Second, praying with faith means believing that God is able to do what we ask. Not that he will do what we ask, but that he is absolutely able. This is what Jesus himself taught. Look at Mark, not Mark, Matthew 9, verses 28 through 30. This is a very important passage. Matthew 9, 28, when he, Jesus, entered the house, the blind men came to him. These blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. What does faith mean here? Believing that Jesus is able to heal. We should always believe that God is able to do what we ask. Their faith did not mean trying to believe that Jesus would heal them. Their faith meant believing that Jesus was able to heal them. He said, faith, and he heals them. Praying in faith includes believing that God is able to do what we're asking. Now, if we're honest, I think we'll all admit there are times when we struggle to believe that, right? Somebody with very serious illness, it's hard to be confident sometimes, isn't it, that God is able to do that? I don't think I'm the only one. We all, our faith can be strong and it can be weak. So what do we do when we face those times where I'm honestly struggling right now to believe that God's able to do this. What do we do? We open up the scriptures. Paul says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And as we open up the scriptures and and study, pray, read over passages describing God's power, the miracles that God has done, as we ask him, Lord, strengthen my faith, help me to believe this more, The Holy Spirit will come. God will pour out more of the work of the Holy Spirit, and you will find your faith strengthening so that you believe that God is able to do this. Very important that God is able to do what we ask. Third, one more. We should believe that God will keep his promises. There are things he has promised to do. We need to believe those when we pray. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5, just to give you an example. James 1, 5. James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously and without reproach, without scolding, without saying, are you here? Without reproach. He gives generously to all without reproach. And here's the promise. It is will be given him. Okay, question, church. When you ask God for wisdom, will he always give you wisdom? 
few tentative, bold people, yes. Okay, church, we got to do better than this, though. This is important. Church, will God always give you wisdom when you ask? 100% certain. It's right here in black and white. Promised. Promised. So we sh- listen carefully. We should not pray, Father, give me wisdom if it be your will. And I suppose you could probably say that as long as you know that it is his will, and so he will. That's my point. Do you get my point? Okay, so in those cases, he's, you know what his will is. Believe that promise. Pray with that faith. He will give you wisdom. I love that. But what about sickness? There's nothing wrong with praying, Father, please heal my brother's cancer here according to your will, if it be your will. That is not weak faith. That is beautiful, humble prayer. Bold prayer, persistent prayer, it's believing prayer, and it's humble prayer. The reason is because we don't know that it's always God's will to heal sickness in this life. So praying with faith means believing that God will always keep his promise. That's what we saw about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Remember, God promises, Paul, Paul, whenever I don't remove a thorn in the flesh from you, it's because I'm going to use that trial to give you an even greater experience of my grace, my nearness, my heartfulness, my joy, my love. That's coming as you press in to seek me and to know me. And so praying in faith includes believing that promise. Every trial, Lord, you're going to use you allow to stay, you're going to use it to bring me closer to you. Now, are there times when we pray that we struggle to believe God's promises? Yes. Every believer will face that. So what do you do? Remember, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. We open up the scriptures, like it's Joshua 21, 45. Not one word, not one word, Check, check, check. Okay. Not one word of all the good promise that the Lord made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. So you'd pray over that promise. Wow, what a track record. Flawless, perfect track record of faithfulness to his promises. And so when you do find yourself weak in faith regarding whether God really does keep his promises or not, thank you, Lord. Open up the scriptures and, and pray over Joshua 21.45. Okay, so that's what it means to pray with faith. It doesn't mean that we always try to muster up in ourselves certain confidence that God will do what we want him to do because we don't have basis for that in the scriptures. There's a gift of faith that God does give to some people sometimes, and when they pray along those lines, he's showing them, this is what I'm going to do, so you can pray and act, and he's glorified greatly. That's real. That's Mark 11, 23 to 24. But what do we do all the time we pray? What kind of faith should we always pray with? We should always believe, praise God, that through Christ, God forgives us and welcomes our prayers. 
He's always smiling, moving toward you when you pray. We should believe that God is able to do what we are asking. Powerful, infinitely powerful. He can always do what we're asking. And we should always believe that God will keep his promises. That's what it means to always pray with faith. So, brothers and sisters, this week as we pray, let's pray with faith, believing that through Jesus, God forgives us and welcomes our prayers, believing that God is able to do what we're asking. The Lord is able to pour out his spirit upon this city. The Lord's able to bring a massive harvest in this country. Do you believe that he's able to do that? He's able to do amazing works. He's done them through history. It's not how strong we are. It's how powerful he is. Let's pray, believing God's able. God's able to do that. And God has promised, we don't know the exact times and ways, but he's promised to fill the earth with his glory. All the nations will come and and move towards your people. People from every nation, tongue, and tribe are going to be saved. We have that promised. And so we can pray, Lord, please do that here. We're not trying to muster up faith that he will. Lord, we're pleading with you. We love these people. Pour out your spirit here in a mighty way. Do a great work. Now, let me leave you with one promise as we head into our prayer week. Most of you will know this one. If not, learn it. It's so good. James chapter 5, verse 16. Take this with you. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 12-year-olds, that's true for you. Okay? 80-year-olds, that's true for you. Been a Christian for three hours, that's true for you. Be a seasoned saint for decades, it's true for you. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Oh, church, let's pray this week. Let's pray. Go ahead and stand. Would you do a powerful work in us this week as we pray, Lord? We want to give ourselves to prayer as much as we can. Would you pour out your spirit upon us? I pray for gifts of faith to be given as we pray. We plead with you for that gift which will bring great glory to your name. Give us hearts to pray. Give us earnestness in prayer. Lord, break our hearts for the people all around us here. Break our hearts for this region. Give us zeal for your glory. Help us understand, Lord, that every moment of prayer in Jesus' name brings work, brings your answers. So, Lord, do a mighty work upon us this week as we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.